Welcome back to Winning the Battle for Talent, the podcast where our customer service experts discuss people management, reducing attrition, and helping employees thrive. Let's join the conversation. Hey, everyone. Welcome to J.D. Power's Winning the Battle for Talent podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with J.D. Power, and with me today are Mark Miller and Scott Killingsworth from J.D. Power, and also Brian Kearney and Ted Narden from Fifth Talent. So, Mark and Scott, uh, welcome. Thanks, Mark. Hi, Mike. Thank you. And Brian and Ted, thanks so much for joining us today. Sure thing. Thanks for having us. Happy to be back. Yeah, thank you. So, so topic for today uh, is the supervisor again, uh, in different um, different angle this time. And we, we what we want to talk about today is the role of the supervisor when it comes to employee retention. And so maybe a good place to start here would be the framework for the employee uh, themselves in terms of um, what goes through their mind when it comes to uh, evaluating their current job situation and whether or not they uh, they want to consider you know leaving. And let's start there, and then we can then we can bring the supervisor into the conversation. So Brian, Ted, yeah, you bet. This is Ted, and I'll, what I'll do is uh, I think. I like the way you're you're um, going here because what goes on in a person's mind when they're ready to leave an organization or begin to to think about exiting an organization it really follows three stages. The first stage is they begin to um, look for other jobs, and so if they have, for example, um, emails coming in from you know Indeed or Monster or all these different uh, sources. Um, maybe they're not looking at them, but now they start to look at them. And if they're not subscribed to these types of things, they begin to subscribe. They begin to talk to friends. And the reason is, is they're feeling some sort of draw, not towards something, but away from uh, disconnecting from the environment they're in. And the next natural part of that stage is what psychologists call, uh, they fantasize about what the next job will be like. And so they think how wonderful it will be. I won't have these problems. I will have this sort of environment or this type of supervisor and these things go away. At the next stage though, they t- go up uh, a step in a sense and they begin to ask themselves, um, do I really want to leave? And the answer is yes. And so they set a specific goal for when that will happen. Typically it's six months, maybe 12 months, but they'll say, I'm definitely going to leave because I'm now going to start actively pursuing these things that I see coming in uh, and see if I can get to uh, another job. And then there's a third stage, which it might be when they get another job offer, but more importantly, it's when they finally in their mind have said, I can no longer stay here. And for that, that is they now on a regular basis, typically daily say, I want out, I'm quitting, I'm going to find a way out of here. And so um, that is very uh, prevalent in their minds. Now, if you look at all three of those stages, they don't occur necessarily in one day or one week. It might be a period that this goes on for weeks, months, could be a year or more that this all goes through in a series of steps. But what's interesting is very few people wake up in the morning and out of nowhere say, I'm quitting, unless something changed in their life or you know something major happened at work. But this tends to build over time. I think, you know, Mike, I think that's really the key is it's, it's something that can be seen and observed actually, if you're aware of it. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So, so let's, let's bring the supervisor into the, uh, the picture now. And, um, 
when you think about those three phases, and, and I, I like the second one actually. This is going way back, but a, a friend of ours uh, was going through this process, and they had set the uh, the timetable for the year nineteen ninety four, and uh, his slogan was "Out the door in ninety four. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, totally relate. Right. But let's bring the supervisor into this. Uh, how what should the supervisor be doing, or how how can the supervisor um, intervene uh, or engage uh, across each of these uh, three phases? Yeah, I'll I'll start, and then Brian can jump in. Sure. But the the natural extension of this is that a supervisor can, as I said, observe. And as they get an understanding and are, and are trained in this, can begin to intervene in that thought process. Now, it's not intervening like, hey, you know, you need to stay and not quit. But you begin to ask yourself, why would they begin throwing off these signs or these signals and what might be the cause of it? And maybe I need to engage more directly to find out what's going on. But what I wanted to really point out was the interesting thing is when somebody finally decides to quit, who do they put their resignation into? Now, some people direct HR, some no-call, no-show, but the bulk put in their resignations to their direct superior. That's just the way we do it here, particularly in the U.S. So they have an opportunity, even at that late stage in the game, to intervene. But the problem is, it's too late. It's almost too late. In fact, I think the only part of this that could be even later is to do the, uh, you know, why are people quitting analysis uh, it's a little bit late. So the supervisor's role is very important in all of those stages leading up to that and even in the very last part uh, of it. So it, they're very important. They're key in that process. Yeah, okay. and I think I'm going to – oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, and yeah, go ahead because where I was going to go next is that's kind of the when. My next question was going to be how should they be intervening. But, uh, Brian, why don't you take it? Sure. And – you know we're the we're the meaningful work people, so I'm gonna take people back to this whole concept of really is what we found is is why people stay and want to engage in uh, let's say if it's customer service something like that. Um, it's this whole concept in the body research called meaningful work, and when I find my work meaningful, I would like to stay. And the number one characteristic of when the work is meaningful, is when um, my work makes a difference in someone else's life. So, hey, great latent potential because in a customer service job, that's what you're doing all day is helping people. So it's if that is what is driving them, um, and we also uh, have explained earlier, this concept of grind, that's what's killing meaningful work. If there's something getting in the way of authentically helping somebody, and unfortunately, the number one source of grind, according to our research and meaningful work research, is your direct boss, is your supervisor. So let's unpack that just a little bit more of, hey, if I am the, say, you know, customer service agent, and I am not, you know, there's many things that could be going wrong. I'm not very successful with customers. Well, how does the supervisor play a role there? Well, they're the ones who are supposed to help understand what, what's going on with them, the strengths and weaknesses, and help them to be self-managing, self-correcting, so that they can excel on their own 
when they're with the customer. So therefore, hey, that reinforces that opportunity for more meaningful moments. I like this job. I feel supported. This is great. The other um, is, hey, um, on the negative side, I have a great customer interaction. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, your metrics aren't very good. Uh, that call was really long. You didn't follow all the processes, the QA checklists you didn't complete. And therefore, um, you're failing. I'm going to fail in that call. You got to get better. So that's, you know, an example of what we call grind. So when you take a look at it, now that people are at home, so much of that whole experience of whether you like your job or not, is really coming from the supervisor. Are they supporting you? Are they helping you? Are they reducing the grind that you're feeling? And if they are, people are staying. That's what we see as a delta. Even, you know, we'll see some things like burnout pop up of like, hey, you know, I, I'm leaving because I'm burned out. Once again, the supervisor has a lot to do um, and a lot of responsibility to ensure their people aren't burned out. So that, you know, um, number one, workload, but also this the the grind and the if they're feeling unappreciated or there's challenges in actually getting things done, the supervisor needs to come in and then they can help reduce that burnout. So once again, the delta, positive or negative, of why people are staying or not is that supervisor. And why the agent is staying or not is do they enjoy their job and feel like it's worthwhile and meaningful? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, so Mark and Scott, when when we are working with the really high performing organizations, and we're looking at that interaction between the supervisors and and the frontline uh, employees, um, I would imagine that we're that we're seeing this kind of behavior that uh, that Ted and Brian are talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um... We see it, the good and the bad, uh, for sure, um, meaning that in lower performers, there's a lack of uh, this intense investment in the relationship, and in high performers, that is present. And I'm going to ask Scott to jump in here in a second, but I, I wanted to point out that you know one of the shifts that we're seeing now um, is the fact that you know the the job itself is harder and you know as Brian and Ted has mentioned and um, if the company isn't really intentional about respecting that relationship and empowering the supervisor with more time so that normally translates into less people to manage um, it's becoming a real challenge for them to execute in this new environment. So getting out of the old way, kind of as Ted was talking about at the beginning and moving into the reality of today often means some structural changes uh, that on the surface can make you cringe because, oh no, uh, our costs are going to go up. But in this battle, and that's make no mistake. That's what we're in right now. Every single person who's listening to this call is in an absolute battle for the retention of talent. Um, that is part of the investment that will create this competitive advantage. Um, so just food for thought. Scott, I don't know if you had any more thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I just want to share a little bit of what we've heard from some of our clients, right? So we um, work with a lot of top performers. We have, um, you know, clients that have single-digit attrition, and we have clients that have triple-digit uh, attrition. But what's interesting is they all, um, you know, are experiencing this phenomena. And, you know, the first reaction uh, our client shared was that, hey, we need to pay people more, right? And so that really didn't do the trick. Uh, that really didn't seem to impact uh, attrition that much. And then, you know, this was, um, you know, COVID offers a lot of flexibility with people working at home. So maybe we should, you know, uh, give people more flexibility, uh, make them happier, more pay. And, and, and while it may have worked to varying degrees for some, it really hasn't solved the problem. So, you know, I think we're kind of narrowing in on, uh, you know, the piece that may have been missing for consideration for some, uh, as our, you know, in call center, we, we want, um, you know, metrics, uh, metric driven. So, you know, things like, uh, you know, the ability to schedule and paying them more, those are things that we can do in a very easy way. But, you know, this seems to be, um, you know, a little more work involved, right? Ted and Brian, you have to be intentional about it. Yeah, Definitely. You, it takes a different type of focus and approach. Okay, that's probably a good place to, to end for today on this topic of the, uh, the role of the supervisor uh, in employee retention. So Brian and Ted and Mark and Scott, uh, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us today. Our pleasure. Thank you. And thanks to our yeah, listeners as well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.